But that was when I was exposed to the most extraordinary knowledge, skills, and wisdom that very poor people have in Bharat. And as a result of that, I thought I'd start a barefoot college only for the poor. When you go to village in the least developed countries around the world, what will you see? You will only see old women and young boys and girls because the men have left looking for a job in a city. So who do you have left in the village who can be trained? Choose an illiterate woman between 35 and 45 who's grounded in the village, who doesn't go out, who hasn't been through any school and college, and train them to be solar engineers. They come as grandmothers and go back like tigers. Solar electrify the village in front of every community. And they are in total awe and total scared by these solar mamas. Because now they are change agents. They are global leaders. They are mentors. Welcome to Mindful Businesses, presented by Sarani. And I'm your host, Vedya Ayer. In our podcast, we bring to you organizations that are mindful in their practices and processes. A mindful organization employs sustainable social, economic, and environmental practices. Today, it is our privilege and honor to have with us Mr. Bunker Roy, founder of the Barefoot College Thelonia, a community-based grassroots organization. He joins us from Thelonia, Rajasthan. Welcome, Mr. Roy. Thank you, Vidya. To give and to serve are very powerful and meaningful actions in a person's life. Often people want to give to make themselves feel better and maybe even feel superior. But even as we give, it must be done thoughtfully and keeping in mind the receiver. You founded the Barefoot College exactly 50 years ago. What was the basic philosophy behind starting the Barefoot College? When I was in college, I dreamt about starting just a college like that, but I was inspired by John F. Kennedy, who said, some men see things as they are and ask why. I dream of things that never were and ask why not. Awesome. I left college in 1967, a very prestigious institution called the St. Stephen's College in Delhi University. I got my master's in English. And then I decided on the 1st of November 1967 to be an unskilled laborer digging wells in Rajasthan in the middle of the deserts of Rajasthan to find water. So how did you pick Rajasthan? Like you are from Delhi? Could have been anywhere, but the first job I got was with the Catholic Relief Services which is a U.S.-based organization, and they asked me to dig 500 wells in Rajasthan. I knew nothing about computers, nothing about rock drills, nothing about blasting, but I picked it up on my own because some people around me helped me. So I became a master digger, (laughs) and I did 500 wells for them, and that's how I met these extraordinary people who helped me out. You went to Dune school, you know, where princes and prime ministers and presidents of India went to school. What did your parents have to say about this? You go to Dune, you go to St. Stephen's, another prestigious institute. And what did your parents think about your plans for your future? My mother went into a coma. (laughs) She couldn't understand why I was doing this, especially when all the jobs were coming. I was also, incidentally, the national squash champion for three years. So that made a big difference on people wanted to give jobs to me. 
But then I went to this famine in Bihar, which changed my life. That's where I saw hunger and death and starvation for the first time. And that was a side of Bharat which I just hadn't been exposed to. So this was in 1972? No, no, 1965. Between 1965 and 1967. And I got my first job in 1967, but I went to Bihar in 1965. But I had to finish my education, my master's, and then only I could do what I wanted to do. So you are digging these wells in Rajasthan, which is a beautiful, beautiful state with a lot of palaces and art and crafts and very, very rich culture. But it's primarily a desert land, most of the state. I wasn't looking at the prince and queens of Rajasthan and Maharaja, but I was digging for water. Water was my only focus. How I would go down by rope in a hundred feet well, use a jackhammer to drill holes, put in explosives and come out. And that is what I was doing for five years. Just for 500 wells, I dug for water. And this was for the Catholic Relief Services. But that was when I was exposed to the most extraordinary knowledge, skills and wisdom that very poor people have in Bharat. And as a result of that, when I saw this extraordinary knowledge, skill and village wisdom, I thought I'd start a barefoot college only for the poor. So in 1972, I thought I would start a college with a difference. You are and your philosophy is in some ways contrarian. Most people go to an area and want to thrust urban, westernized philosophy, education, practices. But when you started Barefoot College, you did exactly the opposite. Yeah, I remember what His Holiness the Dalai Lama told me when he came to Thelonia in 2011 and he saw everything in Thelonia and he said something very profound. He said, now that you have shown the Barefoot College working in practice, let's see if the experts and development planners can make it work in theory. We did everything wrong. We did not give any importance to certificates. We did not give any importance to people who came from the cities with master degrees and qualifications. We only identified knowledge, skills, and wisdom from the people who did not ever go to school and college, but they had the compassion, they had the patience, they had the power, they had the vision, they had the curiosity to pick up skills if they were given the opportunity to do so. And that is how the Barefoot College was born. I must mention, I had the opportunity, my family had the opportunity to visit Barefoot College. It changed our lives. I can say that without exaggeration. We went with our then teenage daughter. What she saw at the Barefoot College changed her vision, her plan, and what she wants to give back to society. And it changed her forever. I'm almost getting goosebumps just thinking about my visit. What are the areas that the Barefoot focuses on? You spoke about water, but we have health, solar power, energy. Most important thing that we must remember in the Barefoot College is that we have adopted and respected the lifestyle and work style of Mahatma Gandhi. There are some non-negotiables of Gandhi, austerity, Simplicity, transparency, accountability, working together. These are the underlying beliefs of the Barefoot College when we first started. And if we can inculcate all these 
to every person who works in the Barefoot College. Then you have an organization, which is almost a movement in the college. Only after that, when you've really done the grounding and got the basics correct, then we can move into the area of water, area of solar, area of education, area of livelihoods, area of the environment. But these are areas which are in the lifestyle of every person in Bharat. You don't have to teach them. You know, they respect the soil, they respect water, they respect air, they respect the sun. These are the people we should learn from, how to respect all these. But we don't. And that is the big problem we have. We are trying to reinvent and trying to redefine education. Big, big problem here. Because the formal education is not delivering. The formal education is hang up on certificates and degrees. And that does not ensure competence. So all the people we have in the Barefoot College working in area water, education, the night schools, the solar mamas, all are people who have been born and brought up in the college itself without having been through any degrees and qualifications in universities. And that is the beauty of the college to me today. So I can tell you about specific areas. Which areas would you like to know, which you remember clearly when you came? What was most impactful is the solar mamas. Okay. PBS has created a very beautiful documentary, and I would encourage our listeners to go and try to find that on pbs.org or on YouTube. Let's talk about solar mamas. Who are solar mamas? When you go to village in the least developed countries around the world, what will you see? You will only see old women and young boys and girls because the men have left looking for a job in a city. So who do you have left in the village who can be trained? And we immediately, it was a simple solution. It was an absolute common sense solution. Choose an illiterate woman between 35 and 45 who's grounded in the village, who doesn't go out, who hasn't been through any school and college, and train them to be solar engineers. I've been to about 60 countries around the world in Africa, most of the African countries. The selection is only done in the front of the whole community. And when I say that I want to choose a woman who is illiterate, who can't read and write, who is 35 and 45 years old, they're all aghast and they think I'm joking. But we have so far had 1,700 women from 96 countries, and all of them have gone back as barefoot women solar engineers. The prime minister called them solar mamas, and that is how it is stuck. Today, can you imagine a woman from the middle of the Sahara Desert getting onto the plane for the first time, 19 hours by flight, arrives in Jaipur, is picked up by someone and taken to the college, which is 100 kilometers away. She can't speak her language. She doesn't have the food. She's gone right in the middle of 40 other women just like her from different parts of the world. And they're sitting on one table and being told to be a solar engineer. The only way they could learn is by doing not by theory, not by physics, not by giving them lectures, just from the very first day, putting their hands onto very sophisticated solar equipment. Within six months, they can become a solar engineer and they know more about solar engineering than any graduate from a five-year university degree. How do you pick these women? They are natural leaders in the community. What draws you to these women? Within half an hour of a meeting in Africa, you can make out which woman you would like to select. 
but we make sure that the husband is also there because you don't suspect anything you shouldn't suspect anything yeah true so when we choose the woman and front of the whole village the husband is pressurized to make let her go you know what you look for curiosity guts someone who can speak out someone who is not scared of the community someone who is respected in the community these are the ones you are looking at look for and i have been wrong ever with the sentinel women and i'm talking about africa i'm talking about south america central america talking about uh, middle east i'm talking about the southeast asia and i'm talking about the pacific not one of these women have actually not become a solo engineer take 6 months only imagine 40 women from different parts of the world all speaking to each other and not understanding a word because someone is speaking jola someone is speaking spanish someone is speaking swahili someone is speaking french but the body language is great and within hours within months they get to know each other through an amazing set of communications which we couldn't fathom how but they made the best of friends our biggest bill on the first month was mobiles they were saying what the hell am i doing here why have you sent me here i can't read and write i'll be ashamed so by that time the 6 months is over everyone says i want to continue you have to give me another visa i said no i'm sorry you have to go back home there's no other way that you can stay here so we asked them what is the what is the best part of your visit in tilonia for 6 months most of them said is the first time i don't have to cook for my husband for 6 months and that's been the best experience of my life and now you'll appreciate me much more when i go back because now he knows but they come as grandmothers and go back like tigers so we'll electrify the village in front of every community and they are in total awe and total scared by these solar mamas because now they are change agents they are global leaders they are mentors for the young girls and boys they are a living example of showing you don't have to go to school and college to pick up a particular skill you can do that without going to a formal school and college and what is unique about your program if i may call it is you make these moms or grandmoms into entrepreneurs talk about how you do that you train them to be solar engineers they go back and every house has to pay a certain amount to her to look after the systems and that is decided by the community together openly in a transparent manner how do they replace candles torch batteries and diesel as lighting uh, with solar and whatever when we did a calculation how much they were spending in the non electrified village on lighting it came to about 10 dollars a month which is very high for lots of people in these very remote inaccessible places so we said if you bring in solar will you pay 10 dollars they said yes so that 10 dollars is collected by a village committee and they pay the solar engineer so she is an entrepreneur looking after about 100 units in a village and being paid for it so she goes back with these kids the kids that she's trained on she goes back with the kit to show what she's learned but it takes about 5 or 6 months for the whole for the kids of all the 100 houses to come by sea that's the way to do it because she can't take all the 100 units to solar electrify village has to come by sea so everyone then gets on to them saying oh what's happened you only bought in one unit what about the other 99 what's your training worth so she's on the great pressure before the units come and when the units come and they, she solar electrifies the whole village then they are i mean there is so many instances where the wife or the man says 
okay, you're going to India for six months. I can't do without a second wife. I'll get married again. So you can go. In spite of this threat, she goes. And she goes and becomes a solar engineer, comes back and solar electrifies the village. And then the man says, please come back. And she says, no, I'm quite happy without you. Thank you very much. So these are instances where you find that they have got the courage. They've got the solidarity. They're not, they feel they're not alone anymore. And being illiterate is, is not a punishment. It's not, a, not something you should be ashamed of. So the solar mamas who come to Telonia, to the Barefoot College, don't speak the same language. No. They don't understand any of the Indian languages no. in which the instruction can be offered. How do you train them? It's all sign language, a combination of sight and sound. We don't use the written word at all. We have a manual which is only visual. When they say my solar unit is not working, I say, look at your manual and point to me which part you want. And then we send it by DHL. You understand? It's not by the written word. It's spoke. It's only by sight and sound that they become a solar. That they become all these sophisticated charge controllers have about 50, 60 parts, and they have to solar it each very differently. So they go by the color code, and they learn the color code. It's a very extraordinary different way of learning, and there's never been a failure on our side to be able to give them these very sophisticated technology skills. What were the difficulties you faced with, say, the first batch of solar mamas? Homesickness. You know, they are away from their families. They've been pressurized to go. This is the first problem you have. In a strange land, I don't think you and I can do it. We don't have the power, the guts, and the courage to do this. Only they have the courage to do this. I really admire the perseverance and the courage that they show to come so far away from their country, from so far away from the village. And the only communication is the mobile. So I make sure that the biggest bill are the mobiles. They all ring up every day. But I think this has given them a sense of solidarity to see 40 women just like them from other countries of the world. And they are as illiterate as the others, the same age. And then they get that confidence. And once they get that confidence, they are absolute tigers. No question. You are kind of partial to women. And you were against the patriarchy long before it was fashionable. Who made you this way? You, you were born in 1945, pre-independence India, in a traditional upper middle class or even upper class family with a lot of privilege. How did your thoughts get formed in this way? The best thing I did in 1970 was to marry my wife, Aruna Roy. She's the one who made me what I am today. Because every time I deviated from it, every time I showed my arrogance, that usually comes out of a doom school St. Stephen's background, she would really shut me down and bring me down to earth. So I think she was the one who was more inspirational in my life to bring it, to show how important women is as a change agent. And for 60 years in India, we've never really given a chance to the women to come up, to be equal, to exposed to the same technology skills that men have. And we found that in many cases, the women have shown much more intelligence and much more adaptability to technology. And we think we had a woman who was a street fighter and she came to me and said, I'm very exhausted. I just can't do anything. I can't keep fighting on the streets. What should I do? I said, you sit on a computer. She said, didn't you know I was illiterate? I said, I knew you were illiterate. But you sit on a computer, take your time. 
Six months later, she comes smiling to me and says, I learned my computer. I can make a spreadsheet. I can put all my data onto the computer. All my government programs I put onto the computer. No one can say that I haven't gone digital. And she's illiterate, 65 years old. And she is being such a role model for young people now. She's become a teacher now. She still street fights, but still, but she is, sits on the computer. All these instances of people who have come from very different castes, different class, all actually being exposed to this technology and taking it so well. Right now, we are training 10 Harijan women, now called Dalits, of course, as solar engineers, taking them off the streets, taking them off cleaning toilets, and we put them into this solar course, and they've taken it up like, hey, it's become such an extraordinary experience, and seeing them change, and seeing everyone said, I never thought in my lifetime I'd be sitting like this, making a solar lantern. That is, for them, a great achievement. And the community leaders are coming around and saying that, yes, this is an alternative skill that they must have other than cleaning streets and cleaning toilets. So this has been something which we are going to do on a large scale today. Many, many communities have no electricity, even now. And I think they need to be electrified. So let's move on to some of the other impacts that the Barefoot College has in the community around Telonia. For instance, I remember seeing a woman who was trained to be a dentist or a daima, a midwife, who was trained to be to give medical care. I don't remember exactly, but I do have this vision. We have about 70, 80 traditional midwives who we call dais, and we meet them regularly. We train them how to give healthy deliveries, hygienic deliveries. Instead of using a saw or something like that, use a cauterized blade, something simple, things like that. We give them a kit and they, in fact, in fact report to us how many deliveries they've done in the village itself rather than bring them into a hospital or into a health center. Now, these are extraordinary people. You, you know, these are the guys who produced uh, most of the members of parliament in India, for God forbid, they're still alive. So we shouldn't be thinking badly of these traditional midwives today. But unfortunately, we are, we are not using them enough, not recognizing them enough. So the Barefoot College is making sure that they are recognized, that they, they form a group and they inform us how many deliveries they've made in the village itself. So the health program is now quite active. And these dyes, they go on to doing, so one of the dyes have become a local politician and stood for elections and won. So we don't discourage that. I think if that's the way they want to go, they go. But the most important, thrilling part is our education program. We are running night schools. Schools at night for children who can't go to school in the morning because they're looking after goats and sheep and stretching water for the parents. And the only time they have is for the evening. So the night schools of Thelonia started in 1975. That idea came to start schools at night for children in 1975, especially in villages where there were no government schools. As a result, today, over 90,000 students have come out of those night schools as of 2022. Most of them after going to the night schools, go to the day schools, sit for an exam and go into government schools. And as a result of that, they've gone through the night schools, they've gone through Shikshaniketan, which is a day school of ours, and they've gone beyond. And there are over a thousand boys and girls 
who have got jobs in government going through the night schools and through the day schools. All of them have become patwaris, cops, gram sevaks, nurses, security personnel. All of them remember very fondly the days in the Shiksha Niketan. So this has become a sort of a success story. Alumni is about a thousand. They all come back once a year to meet and talk about how grateful they are that the Shiksha Niketan gave them the edge to go, go a bit forward and do some career. So what I hear is that you value education. When a child does not have access to education, you are willing to bring that to the child and or bring the child into Barefoot College to teach it the basic skills, the basic math, English, so that it can go on to the government schools. But you're also saying if you're not educated, you're not literate, that should not be a handicap for your success. Options are open in the Barefoot College to choose. We never say that just because you're uneducated, you're illiterate. Just because someone is literate, you can, he can also, he or she can also be uneducated. And we are looking for people who are so-called uneducated, but who have the compassion, the patience, the wisdom, and the tolerance to be able to learn and unlearn. This is most important. First, you have to, you have to convince the parents that this child should go to school because most of the parents are not convinced that they should go to school because they should help the families in the fields and so on. So the persuasion for the parents is the first obstacle. How do you get them to bring the boys and girls, in, and especially girls, to go into the school? That requires a different sort of persuasion. Then teach them, expose them to something which is related to their daily life. What do you do when you get arrested in a police station? How do you measure your land? What happens when you uh, someone takes your land away? So we say that everyone is a teacher. A policeman is a teacher, a nurse is a teacher, a weaver is a teacher, a leather worker is a teacher, a postman is a teacher. Bring all these people into these schools at night to tell them that, you know, this is also education. Reading and writing is all very well, but more than that, you must learn more about the village, about the village institutions, how they work and why they work. In the formal education system, they don't talk about it. They take it for granted that these village institutions are lively, important communication channels. It's not. So we are looking at a curriculum which is more basic to education at the village level in Bharat rather than India. Not to say that we don't want to pass, let them pass the exams. Of course, we do that as well. But we also say that you must value what you, what you see and feel in a village because that's your roots. And don't look down on your roots as some people are being asked to do. You refer to India as Bharat. Why? I refer to India as the cities and Bharat as the village. It's where the heart and the soul of India is. And people forget. They always forget. And that's the tragedy in Bharat today, that very few people are, are spending more time, giving more attention to the problems of Bharat. So where did you get funding to start it? My first funding came from Tata Trust. And that was because I was the principal of St. Stephen's College, spoke to the head of Tata Trust, the old man, Professor Choksi. He saw me for five seconds and said, you're from St. Stephen's College? Okay, I'll trust you with some money. Here's some money. So I got a princely sum of 20,000 rupees at that time in 1972 to start the college. I told the Tata Trust 50 years later that I've come to you second time after 50 years. 
So they were very thrilled to hear they were the first donor. Then we think that the credibility, stability, and the continuity of any organizations depends on how much you work with government. So we get a lot of government funding. The Ministry of Education of External Affairs gave us funding for the solar mamas so that we could train 1,700 women from 96 countries. That was fund from the Ministry of External Affairs. We are developing technologies for the rural areas and we get money from the Ministry of Science and Technology. So we get money from the government. And the third source of funding is CSR funding. We get ONGC funding, funding from the ONGC. We get funding from COTAC. We get funding from the Frederick Ebert Stiftung in Germany. We have a very major donor, Friends of Hope, Germany, based in Munich, who's given us money for Singla. We have a very residential school in Singla for 100 children from very backward homes and very backward families. There, they're giving us funding. So these are the various areas of funding we are receiving. So CSR is corporate social responsibility and companies like the Oil and Natural Gas Commission of India um, and the others, the Kotak is a financial institution, have helped you keep your vision going forward. Correct. You know, the trick is not to ask for too much money. Usually people have raised so much money that they get complacent and they don't look, they don't take risks. I think if anyone is in the civil society organizations based in a rural area, first you must have a code of conduct, how you should behave yourself with the communities, why you shouldn't take a minimum wage, why you should observe the laws of the country, why you should stay close to the poor and not commute from city to village, village to city like a Rotary Club member. These are the sort of non-negotiables if you want to start civil society. Now today, the sad part is that I'm the only one that I have found after some research who stayed and lived in a village from Dune School and St. Stephen's College. There's not a single second person. Isn't that a reflection on the education system today? How is it that all these elite institutions have not been able to get one person, man or woman, live and work in a village? And provide a service. I went to the World Economic Forum in Davos from 2002 to 2007. I walked in and everyone was surprised to see me. Most of them were in school and college with me. Most of them are billionaires. And they were wondering, how did Bunker get into this place? I said, I was invited by the founder, Klaus Schwab. These people are billionaires. And not one of them came up to me and said, let's do something together on CSR. Not one. Where is that? Compassion is missing from these people. I don't know what to say to these people. It's not that they haven't got the money. They don't have the, the power of giving. They don't have the charity of giving. What do you think is wrong with them, Vidya? I am befuddled. I have no idea. I think what I see that has changed, at least in the American system, is that part of the college application process requires the students to do some sort of social work. So initially, it was annoying to me that, oh, it is actually just something that you do for your resume. But over the last 20 years, I've seen that that has changed the next generation of Americans. They go to maybe corporate life, some of them, but they are willing to serve and give. So I'm not saying that Dune should adopt that, but... I do think it has to be inculcated as part of the curriculum, part of 
maybe a day of giving. It's too late for your generation. We have to focus on the ones who are still in school. I am very, very sad the way that my generation has behaved towards anything that uh, that they could contribute. Even marginally, it wouldn't end their budget, wouldn't end their lifestyle, wouldn't end anything. Even that they are not capable of getting. So what sort of education are we giving people in schools and colleges here? I spoke to this principal of St. Stephen College, he happened to come to Thelonia. I said, why is it that you only produced one or two of us from your 100 years of existence in that college? Why is everyone going to corporate government services? Why are they all, I mean, I don't want all of them to be like Gandhi's, but at least there should be some spirit which is missing. This is a very sad commentary on the formal education system. So what Barefoot College is doing is doing something alternative. We're trying to show that illiteracy is not a barrier. It shouldn't be treated as a penalty just because you're illiterate. So these are the people who will unlearn. How do we unlearn? Yeah, the illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read or write, but those who cannot learn, unlearn and relearn. Correct. That is Toffler. Why aren't we following that? What makes it so difficult? I keep on saying that the biggest problem today are the parents. They're not allowing the children to do what they want. All is just because the father or the mother couldn't do what they want. They're forcing the children to do the same. Most of the young people today in Thelonia now are fighting their parents to stay. What sort of commentary is that? You know, and so when, when people say, why are you against the formal education system? I say, look, someone who's done a master's in engineering, he doesn't know how to use his hands. He can't repair a hand pump. He can't repair a Jeep. And he's a master's in engineering, mechanical engineering. How are we teaching these people today? So Barefoot College says we will always respect people who work with their hands. That is why traditional knowledge Village wisdom and practical skills is so important for the Barefoot College. And the certification is not important. So what if you are a master's or a PhD? Show me your worth as a human being. That is for me more important than the degree you flaunt. Sorry, I'm getting a bit... I want to talk about how I reconnected with you. I had visited the Barefoot College in 12 or 13, you know, I was always, you know, following cursorily what's going on with the Barefoot College. And and recently I was like, I wonder what Mr. Roy is doing. So I Googled the Barefoot College Telonia. I came to a site and I couldn't find you. And I saw a whole new slew of board of directors, employees, you know, a person in Africa, in charge of Africa, a person in blah, blah. You know, so many different people, which I had never seen before. So I was like, oh my God, I guess the reins have changed. And I forgot about it for a few days. And then one night I was like, this doesn't make sense. Something's not okay. How could I have not heard of this change, of this whole rain change? Nobody that I had heard of or knew before in the Barefoot College, is there in this other organization, which shows up first on Google. So I started looking deeper. We started saying, you know, putting your name, putting different things, and voila. And we came to your website, 
the barefootcollegethelonia.org. And um, I saw the legal notice that you had against this other organization with a very similar name, very similar logo, using exactly the terminology, the symbols, just like yours, almost an impersonation, almost an identity theft, I felt in my mind. I was so annoyed, dismayed, that I dropped an email and we connected. So what happened? How did this happen in this day and age? How is somebody able to steal or take away or I'm not sure what word you would like to use. What you worked so hard for. In 2012 to 2013, we decided that we would need another organization to be able to raise money internationally for the Barefoot College Thelonia. So we entered into an agreement with Megan Fallon to start the Barefoot College International with the sole purpose of raising money from different sources abroad so that that money could be plowed back into the Barefoot College Thelonia for the work we are doing. 2015, they registered. It went off quite well. We got uh, money from Microsoft. We got money from Apple. We got money from uh, Credit Suisse. All these people had uh, given money, but in the name of Barefoot College Thelonia, with the condition that whatever money we, we get, we pass it on to Barefoot College International. That was a bit weird, but I thought we trusted them. And we said, all right, we'll do that. To clarify, the Barefoot College Thelonia is yours, and Barefoot College International is the organization that was created to fundraise for you. Correct. In 2015, they were registered. By 2018, we found that they were not respecting the Gandhian way of life that the Barefoot College Thelonia was doing, brought in a corporate culture, which is totally alien to the Barefoot College Thelonia. So we told them that this is not on. You know, you're paying all of us up getting minimum wage as salaries in Thelonia. They are getting corporate salaries. So this is five, six times more than people should be getting. So I said, this is uh, creating some tension in the ranks and I don't think we can carry on. So in 2020, the board officially told them to leave Thelonia physically by March 2021. Only after that, all the funds started because then they started stealing our information. They started stealing our website. So then it became barefootcollege.org. Lots of people are giving money to barefootcollege.org, which was actually going to the Barefoot College Thelonia uh, International Fund. So lots of people were deceived. So we call this a rogue organization. We sent a letter to about 3,000 people saying, please be wary of these people because they're not any part of Barefoot College Thelonia right now. Lots of people have replied back saying, oh, I didn't know, just like you. Lots of people are saying, I didn't know this has happened. So we sent a circular to everyone to say that, watch out. If you want to donate to Barefoot College Thelonia, make sure that you don't pay to Barefoot College International. Four or five times people have actually asked for the money back. But they are a corporate lot. They have no idea about how a Gandhian civil society organization works. And they didn't even try. They didn't try and train people from the village. They got people from outside who had no loyalties to working village just to collect a salary and then do some higher studies somewhere. So there's tension now, but I think it's getting sorted out now slowly. We are getting there, but um, it's left us. Uh, we are not in any way weaker. I think we're stronger as a result. 
because when we celebrated our 50th anniversary of the Barefoot College in 2022, we celebrated in Thelonia, we celebrated in Jaipur, we celebrated in Delhi, we celebrated it in Bangalore, and all the oldies, the faithful, the loyalists all came back. So it was a very great, full, full of fun. And they also asked the same questions. What is this BCI? Who is this BCI? So we are trying to make sure that every time someone asks these questions, we give them an answer of what is happening. What surprised me is not just that they were doing what you were doing, but it almost seemed like they were you, you know, in terms of colors, in terms of, you know, branding, I would say. I'm fine if there's Barefoot College Thelonia, there's another enterprising group of people who want to do exactly the same work. They can do the same work. There's room for more than one. But what was uncomfortable for me was the fact that they were branding and almost posing to be the Barefoot College. Correct. So we have started a case against them in the Delhi courts to get back our brand, hopefully. And I think they're a bit worried because I think we're going to win because we are a very strong case. 50 years old and they're only five years old and they are using Barefoot College experience, the Barefoot College impact. They're also quoting in their website. They're doing everything wrong. And they're claiming that the 50-year organization is theirs almost. So I think it can only be settled in the court. And we've gone to the court. What else can we do? Very sad. I am so sorry that you have to go through this after all the work, after your dedication of your whole life to this community and the cause. Vidya will survive. It's just a little blimp. I think we are strong enough to take any of these uh, tragedies in style. I don't think we are worried. We'll get it better. On that inspirational note and your words of wisdom, I'd like to thank you, Mr. Bunker Roy of the Barefoot College Thelonia for coming on Mindful Business. First, they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, and then you win. Mahatma Gandhi. Thank you again, sir. Thank you, Vidya. This is Vidya Ahayar, producer and host of Mindful Businesses. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at info at mindfulbusinessespodcast.com. If you learned a thing or two from this episode, share it with one friend. Mindful Businesses is a 501c3 registered nonprofit and is the source for unbiased, sustainable practices. Our podcast is available on all podcast listening platforms. Please like, share, rate and subscribe to Mindful Businesses. We recorded this podcast in Buffalo, New York. Theme music was composed by Tatum Gale. Our marketing assistant is Roseanne Korean. Our advisors are Jim Stone and Anupama Pastricha. This is Lydia Ayer with Mindful Businesses. 